Welcome to the IoT podcast powered by Paratus People. Be among the first to find out what's happening in the fascinating and growing world of IoT from the industry leaders themselves. Welcome to the IoT podcast show. I'm your host Tom White. Today we are joined by Carsten Brinkschutter. Carsten is the founder and CEO of Dryad. Dryad provide environmentally friendly IoT solutions, including ultra-early detection of wildfires. They hope to mitigate natural disasters by the use of this technology, including lowering CO2 emissions worldwide and the preservation and conservation of wildlife. As a serial entrepreneur, Carson has over 20 years experience in complex telecoms systems. Carson, thank you so much for joining the show. You're very welcome. Uh, Carlson, could you just start by explaining a little bit about your background in, in IoT? Yeah, I've uh, spent the last 20, 25 years in telecoms, actually. And I've uh, had uh, four startups in the telecom space, um, um, in the telecoms infrastructure software. Uh, last company I ran was uh, Core Network Dynamics out of Berlin. Um, we did uh, 4G network infrastructure software, like a little Nokia, basically. And um, we, we sold that to Twilio in 2018. Right. Before that, I ran a startup in um, in London uh, called Movirtu. And we did a virtual SIM infrastructure software to virtualize, to disconnect the mobile phone number from from the handset, actually. And that okay. was sold, sold to BlackBerry. Um, before that, I ran for seven years in the UK, a public company called Synchronica in the, in the messaging space, so mobile email, when, when it was still sexy at the time. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. So, so deep experience in telecoms, then. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a telecoms guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny you should mention Twilio because very large company doing a lot of work at the moment in a, an IoT. So you actually had a business that was sold to Twilio. Yes, we sold uh, Conapic Dynamics to Twilio, um, and what we did was a 4G um, infrastructure software called Evolve Packet Core. I'm not going to bore you with the technical details, but that that's basically the nuts and bolts of a 4G LTE network. Right, I see. And okay. that's now part of Twilio's uh, network services. Yeah, yeah, exactly. IoT in particular. Yes, I have a couple of friends that work at Twilio, and a good company experiencing... Yeah, it's a good um, company, definitely. Yeah, experiencing some growth at the moment. So, so Carsten, I mean, we've never had anyone on the show that has specifically had a product that can prevent forest fires. And uh, when we when we're talking about natural disasters, this is this is has to be this has to be one of the main use cases, hasn't it, um, for for an IoT sensor? So, I mean, clearly, it's one of the biggest climate issues we face uh, in the world. So how does Dryad sensors uh, stop and combat or try try to stop and combat forest fire breakouts? Yeah. So the, the, the Dryad sensors, um, they're basically um, um, gas sensors that we place directly into the forest. We attach them to a tree and they, they, they scan for the gases which are emitted <clears throat> during the smoldering phase of a, of a fire. And you've got an increase in hydrogen um, uh, CO2, carbon monoxide, and other gases uh, when there is a fire nearby. And our sensors actually detect those changes in, in the air um, using some artificial intelligence software that we run in the sensors. They, they scan for those patterns. And, and when they detect 
um, those changes in the air composition that are typical for a wildfire, they then send out an alert um, uh, over our own wireless network because you know I'm a network guy, so we're building our own mobile network for the for the sensors, and then the the, the messages are being sent over the network to a cloud platform um, where we do analytics and alerting. So the alerts eventually get sent out over email and SMS or phone calls to alert the the fire brigades, and we send them directly to the GPS coordinate of the sensor that actually triggered the alarm. And that's a, that's the first I have to say. No, and as far as we're aware. Nobody's doing it this way. There are many good approaches for detecting wildfires, and all of them make sense. But what we focus on is we call ultra early detection of wildfires. We want to catch wildfires in the first hour of the fire starting very early on, but it's still very small. And that gives the, the critical time advantage, that's our intention, to the firefighters to actually extinguish the fire before it spreads out of control. Because that, to be honest, is the biggest problem of existing systems, that they do detect them, they optical systems or satellites that look at wildfires, but they do detect them too late. Mm. And if they detect them too late, there's not much use in it. When you come as a you're a firefighter, you arrive at the scene and there's a football pitch in, in flames. What are you going to do? Mm. So we want to bring them to the fire when it's still you know a small one yeah well i think that's that's critical isn't it if we look at recent news events uh, in australia and other parts of the world where you have these pretty pretty much uncontrollable fires uh, having a solution which is ultra early uh, really is a must and i guess in the past we've been limited by the tech to do that and to produce that, and hopefully that's something that Dryad is, is accomplishing. Um, I understand you're using LoRa, so LoRaWAN as one of your uh, technologies behind this. Could you talk a bit about why you chose LoRa in particular uh, as a sensor and why it might have been a better choice than, than other uh, technology stacks on the market at the moment? Mm -hmm. Good point. So, see, my background is 4G, 5G network, so naturally, yeah, my choice would have been to use narrowband IoT, which is something that runs in a 4G network to do IoT in a in an LTE environment. That would have been the natural choice for me. Um, the the problem is that in a in a natural environment of the forest, there is a pretty good chance that there is no network coverage by the standard mobile network operators, right? Because the the operators they put and it's quite expensive to, to when you build a 4G or 5G network, they put their radio towers where there is money. Money yeah. is where people are. And that's not where the forest is. It's almost like the opposite. Right? You have, when you look at network coverage maps around the world, uh, where you have white spots, and that's exactly where the forest is. Because, of course, you know, who's going to build, do a multi-billion dollar installation of 4G towers in the mid of no middle of nowhere where nobody will ever use a smartphone right so they don't do it so effectively we couldn't use 4g or narrowband iot in our target area which is the deep forest so we need there's no alternative uh, we couldn't use existing um, narrowband iot or 4g or 5g or even 2g um, network coverage because it's not available uh. the other alternative would have been to use satellites communication uh, but that requires uh, large amounts of energy to to communicate mm, to 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 the satellite. And it makes these would make these sensors very expensive, ridiculously expensive. So we needed a 
ultra low cost, ultra low power, long range communications network. And we looked at the market and there is narrowband IoT uh, from 4G that said, uh, explained why that wasn't a good choice. Then there is Sigfox um, and then there is LoRaWAN basically and a few other not so relevant alternatives yet. So it's basically Sigfox or LoRaWAN which can do that. Uh, Sigfox is a proprietary network run by one company. So we wouldn't be able to build our own Sigfox networks uh, in areas where Sigfox doesn't decide to go. You can't use Sigfox. So that, again, was not an option. And the only choice, really, was to use LoRaWAN. LoRaWAN oh. is, is a long-range wireless network, um, uh, low bandwidth, so you can't do video calls, but you can send a few bytes enough to alert someone of a fire of it. And it's free to air. So we don't need to pay a huge license fee to the regulators. It is globally standardized and it has very long range communications over several miles and you can transmit the data. And it uses very little battery um, mm. energy. And that, that these are all key, key aspects of what we needed for our solution. There really wasn't any choice other than LoRa. Yeah, and I think it's a very, a very neat solution, isn't it, Carsten? Um, I mean, we we're friends with the people at the Things Industries um, and, and the Things Network, <laughs> so so we understand those guys, and it and it works well. And I think you've encapsulated that really well in the, in the sense that you only need to send a few bytes in order to get that information across, and and there could there could not be more of a critical use case. Um, or, or at least in the top five critical use cases than what Dryad are looking to do with your deployments, uh, and I really, I really mean that. You know, um, a, a lot of a lot of the use cases out there are for the enrichment of people's lives, which isn't a bad thing, of course. But to actually prevent natural disasters, I mean, it's uh, you know, how do you top that? Um, just on that note, in terms of the impacts that the deployment of these sensors will have, both immediately and long-term, what does that look like? Because yes, you can stop uh, or, or work to stop um, wildfires with ultra uh, early detection, um, but, but the immediate and long-term benefits of that, what, what do you hope to achieve? Right. Yeah, so, so Dryad really is, I guess, what you would call an impact for profit. So we're, we want to be a profitable company because then I think we think we can have even more impact. And But impact is the ultimate mission. And the impact that we want to have is to reduce CO2 emissions globally as much as we possibly can. And for that, you need to know how much is actually the, the total addressable market of impact, so to say, <clears throat> Yeah, is 20% uh, of all global CO2 emissions are from wildfires. So that, that's about the same amount of CO2 that the entire traffic, all cars, all ships, all aeroplanes each year are contributing to climate change. Wildfires are doing the same. At the same time, they're also destroying the world's largest carbon sink, that is the forest. So it's a double whammy, right? So every hectare of forest that we can prevent from burning will help to battle climate change because it cuts into those 20% of all CO2 emissions. So what is the impact that we can have is really dependent upon how many sensors can we deploy and right. how many how what's the area that we can that we can protect and of course you can have wild dreams and big projections but 
uh, like every company, we also have a business plan. So we, we intend to sell millions of those sensors and install millions of them. And um, and and we our our goal is to to prevent about 10 million tons of CO2 emissions by 2030 by installing uh, about 1.2 million sensors worldwide that protect um, uh, a, a, a large area of the critical forest that sub you know has a high probability of wildfires. And with that, we can predict the probability of how much you know CO2 would have been exposed mm. into the air if we hadn't protected it. Mm. So our models are suggesting that we can now that we can uh, put, that we can prevent about 10 million tons of CO2 uh, by 2030, which is achievable and can even be more if we can scale faster than we currently are planning. So it's yeah. really limited by how many sensors can you deploy in the shortest amount of time and yeah. uh, so the, the sky's the limit there really we can you know every wildfire even the biggest ones in australia or california they all go down they all go back to one single event right and the wildfires in australia last year emitted 400 million tons of co2 one fire caused that in the end right so if we could step that one fire we would save 400 million tons of co2 yeah, I mean, that's crazy numbers, isn't it? Um, it's interesting to talk about total addressable market. It's something that we talk a lot about, uh, you know, but it must be hard to work out the, the TAM, right? It must be hard to work out the actual size of this and what it could be because, um, you know, anything that you can do to limit that is a positive, isn't it? Um, and, and, you know, the more, the more and more sensors you can place out there, the better this will be. And, and is that is that the limiting factor? Is the is the speed of the deployment of the sensors and the speed of which you can get this actually on the ground? Is 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 that what you're hampered by? In fact, it would be. Uh, it's the the, the the larger the areas that we can protect, mm. the bigger the impact we will have. Um, mm. And so, yes, but there will be a cost to our sensors, obviously. So we have a business model that you know allows us to remain profitable. Mm. And, and of course, we expect our customers to pay for the solution. We, we can't give it away for free because otherwise where's the money coming from? Um, so that's why we have a business plan like every other business have. Uh, but part of our business plan is the impact aspect of it. Mm. So every sensor that we deploy has an impact in terms of CO2 emissions. And um, yes, the, 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 we are limited by the number of sensors. If we could give away our sensors for free, yeah, we could have a much bigger impact, of course. So it's a question of how much capital do you have, uh, what's the cost of the sensor, um, and, and and then how many can you produce mm. and install? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that what is great about Dryad and, and the big differentiation for your company is is your commitment to minimizing environmental impact, uh, not just by the use case of your product, uh, but throughout your supply chain from manufacturing and to architecture. Um, long-term goals past, obviously, deployment of sensors, and without revealing too many details, of course, but um, you know, what, what else do you think Dryad as a business could be capable now that you have this use case uh, specifically around early detection of fires? Yeah, so the, the early the ultra early detection of wildfires is clearly what you would call a killer application, right? Mm. It's it's the key thing that everybody gets immediately and makes a lot of sense. But once we have installed our system, uh, our network in the forest, 
you could say we become something like Vodafone of the forest. Now, once you have that network installed in the forest, you can do other things than just detect and prevent wildfires. For example, we want to monitor the health status of the forest. We want to measure the soil moisture. We want to measure the tree growth. We want to measure the subflow, like how much how much water is a tree drinking. Um, we can measure the microclimate in the forest. We can help to manage the forests better and regrow the forest, not just prevent it from being destroyed, but also to restore it. Because in the next 50 years, we'll have to build a lot of trees to re-establish that carbon uh, sucking function that it has and, and, and to revitalize it. So we want to go beyond just stopping its destruction and helping it to regrow and, and be the, the data network, the IoT sensor network. That, that that provides all of that. But, you know, eventually, long-term, as a vision, Dryad can also go outside of the forest. We could we could deploy our systems in the oceans, on on, uh, on the oceans, not in the ocean, on top of the oceans. We could go into lakes, into large rivers, everywhere where you have not the requirement for natural data um, uh, acquisition. Natural, I mean, in the natural environment. Yeah, um, yeah. And, yeah. and 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 that's what you know we, we say uh, with Dryad, we're, we're saying our tagline is connecting the natural world. So that's like the long-term vision for for the company. Yeah, I, I mean that it's fantastic, isn't it? Because just thinking out loud, you potentially have the ability to learn more about forests, and 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 certainly, if let's say that you went into the ocean bed with your sensors in the future. Um, you know more more about our, our actual planet more so than we actually already know so not only can you monitor air water precipitation uh, but let's say you had some audio sensors or what have you you could measure cluster of wildlife what you know why uh, certain sections of wildlife congregate in certain areas of forests and 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 this acquisition of data as you say is is paramount to that isn't it to, absolutely to, you know, the, the, the ability to learn more about our planet. I mean, there's a famous phrase uh, that says we know we know more about the solar system than we do our ocean floor, right? That, that's absolutely true, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But with the advent of uh, IoT in general and the sensors and what you're doing, that's um, that's fantastic. I mean, what what other? Um, just going back to the forest for now, what other areas um, could you look to, to monitor um, and improve by, by use of data acquisition? So, uh, in, in, you know, potentially improving air conditions or to enable wildlife to thrive. How, how might that work with the use of sensors? Well, I mean, yes, um, looking at biodiversity is, is a key thing. You can, you can track animals, for example, and I've, I've seen LoRaWAN projects in Africa they actually do track uh, uh, elephants, for example, and, and monitor their whereabouts and their movements. Um, that, that is something which you know, we could do as well, right? Because we, we are going to create a communications network for the natural world and, and the forest is our, is our main target in, in for the next few years. Um, that, that includes other aspects of the forest, not just, not just the trees and the wildlife in, 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 in the forest is quite important. Um, the forests are home to three quarters of all biodiversity on, on Earth. So it's, um, and, and, and the impact on, on that is, is as, just as bad as, as the wildfires ha have on the, on the climate, right? So every hectare 
of fire of forest that burns also destroys the environment for for the biodiversity that that used to live in there and um, so in, in Australia last uh, year I think um, it was a billion animals that died in that forest one billion and we're not talking ants uh, we're talking you know reptiles and up um, so it's it's a, it's a lot of things that we can prevent and help to monitor and improve it's about putting more about putting a pulse, a finger on the pulse of the uh, of the forest, and we want to help to regrow, to restore, to revitalize it. And IoT is a key element of that to for data acquisition. After IoT, you need to make sense of the data. And now where we have the data in the cloud in our analytics platform, we intend to use artificial intelligence uh, on top of the data to help. Uh, forest owners and policymakers make sense of that data to take decisions and to influence and to improve um, that environment. So we're about data acquisition, data transport, and then data processing, analytics, and and advice with artificial intelligence. That's what I think we can do as a vision for the company. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. And did we hear it here first? Uh, is there going to be a Dryad Marine subsidiary? Uh, <laughs> is, is this something that's coming up, Carsten? <laughs> no, it's not coming up. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if, if you look at 10 years in the future, then maybe. This is really like a long-term plan. The forest is huge yeah. and is a great target for us at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Carsten, look, I, I really appreciate you coming onto the show. It's been fantastic to understand more about Dryad and, and long-term uh, goals that you have as a business and, and also the technology that you're doing right now. I think it's, I think it's, it's fantastic. You know, I couldn't be further behind this. Um, it, it, it's great. Um, can, can, they, can the listeners find you on social media, Dryad? Uh, do, have you got a website that they can go to and, to find out some more information? Yeah, obviously we have a website dryad.net. Um, yeah. We're on Twitter and we're we're on LinkedIn, uh, okay. easily found by, by by our name. So we we're not on Facebook to be honest. Um, maybe something we need to do, but um, LinkedIn, Twitter, and and the web. That's how okay. you can get in contact with us. Perfect, perfect. Well, ho hopefully this will, this will be coming up on the screen now as uh, as people are watching and or listening. But uh, Carson, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Really appreciate it, and uh, great to understand more about Triad. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for listening, and be sure to subscribe for more episodes in the IoT Podcast, the leading podcast among the IoT community.